This is episode 20 of The Investor's Podcast. Broadcasting from Bel Air, Maryland, this is The Investor's Podcast. They'll read the books and summarize the lessons. They'll test the waters and tell you when it's cold. They'll give you actionable investing strategies. Your host, Preston Pish and Stig Broderson. All right. How's everybody doing? This is uh, Preston Pish. And as usual, I'm accompanied by my co-host, Stig Broderson. And this is lucky episode number 20 of The Investor's Podcast. And as always, Stig and I are so excited to have you guys in our audience. And uh, so if you haven't noticed, I am very pumped up for today's episode. In fact, I've been anxiously awaiting for this episode for over a month um, our guest is the one and the only Pat Flynn from the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Pat, I cannot thank you enough for coming on our show today. We are just so thrilled to have you. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. And I'm definitely not the one and only. I think if you look up Pat Flynn in Google, there's like a million of us. Um, but I'm so happy to be here. I'm the one from the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Um, quick question for you, Preston. Does anyone ever call you the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air since you're in Bel-Air, Maryland? <laughs> no, I love it's, the name. It's, it's just rough. Bel-Air reminds me of, you know, Fre- uh, Will Smith from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air here in California, but you're in Bel-Air, Maryland, which is pretty cool. It's a big difference between uh, Bel-Air, Maryland and Bel-Air, California. <laughs> let me tell you. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks for having me today. So thrilled to have you. So uh, in addition to Pat coming on the show today, we have our good friend Hari Ramachandra from BitsBusiness.com, and he'll be here to help us ask some questions with Pat. So Hari, always a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Kristen. And uh, Pat, it's a pleasure and an honor to join Kristen and Stick today. I've been following you since 2009, and uh, you have inspired me and also given me a lot of resources and help, and thank you for that. Yeah, my pleasure. That's awesome. 2009, so you're one of the early... Pat Flynn followers. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, early bird. <laughs> so as you guys know, Stig and I, um, we're always talking about investing and we're typically talking about one type of investing and that's buying assets that already exist. Uh, but today we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to be talking about the other side of the coin and discuss asset creation. And let me tell you, there's no better guest to have on the show to talk about asset creation than Pat Flynn. Uh, This guy's the real deal, and he's a person that we absolutely track. Like you heard Hari say, he's been following Pat since 2009. So uh, probably the person that we track on the internet more than anybody else. And I know that might sound a little bit stalkerish there, Pat, but it's it truly is the truth. Um, And so we're really pumped to have this interview. You're you're a pretty uh, special guest for us. So um, we're going to start off the episode with a little bit of a story. And so the the way that this starts is back in um, May of this past year, Stig and I were out at the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting where Warren Buffett has a shareholders meeting. And whenever we were leaving, uh, I was getting on a plane and flying uh, through Dallas back here to Bel Air. And I ran into Hari, never knew Hari before. And he was wearing a LinkedIn jacket. And so the two of us just started chatting. And so we were talking about accounting and like investing and like all this hardcore like balance sheet stuff. And while we were on the plane, so we got on the plane. So we were talking before we got on the plane. We get on the plane and as luck would have it, who am I sitting next to but Hari? So we keep our conversation going and Hari goes to me. I said, I'm going to send you this book that Stig and I just wrote. And uh, Hari says, well, do you know this guy, Pat Flynn? And I said, 
I have no idea who that guy is. <laughs> and <laughs> no offense, Pat. I'm sorry. No, 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 take it. But uh, I said, I have no idea who that is. And he says, you need to go to this guy's website and check this guy out. And I said, okay. So he shot me a link after I got back and I go to this, this guy's website, this Pat Flynn, and I pull up his site and I was, I was literally floored. I was just like, what is this? And like right there on the, on the front of his page, it says, I'm your crash test dummy for online business. And I, I'm like getting kind of curious. And I see that this guy has an income statement on his, on his website right there for like the world to see. And I click on this income statement and I'm going through it. And like, you got to realize that's Stig and I's forte is income statements, balance sheets, cash flow statements. Like we live in that stuff. And so I'm, I'm scrolling through this and I'm looking, I'm like, this guy just made like, you know, whatever it was, 25K on, you know, this one item. So then I click on it and I'm looking at, and I mean, I am just pouring through his page. And then I see that he has a podcast. I have never listened to a podcast before in my life. Never. So I click on the podcast and uh, I subscribe and I was like, I'm going to try this out. I, you know, I've got an iPhone. Let's try this thing out. So I see that he has a, a interview with this Pat Flynn and Tim Ferriss, who I, who I knew. So are new of. And so I listened to this podcast and I'm driving in uh, the, the first day and I'm listening to this. I was like, this is freaking gold. Like, this is amazing. Like, why am I not doing a podcast? Like this stuff's unbelievable. And so I'm, I'm just listening to the next one. I'm like hooked, like absolutely hooked. And so I had to tell you that story, Pat. I, I really did. I had to get that off my chest because dude, we would not have this podcast if it wasn't for you. I'm serious. Like I didn't wow. even know what one was. And so I didn't realize that you guys have the show because I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. That's, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with me, dude. It was, it was literally a week later. I was on Lance Raven, uh, Ravenscraft's uh, website uh, one week after I listened to the first podcast, I literally bought every single thing that he recommended mm. like right then and there. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Like it was like all these alarm bells went off like this guy is showing you the path of what you need to do and we just went out and, and i mean we went after it. i mean this meeting the shareholders meeting was in may and we bought all this stuff and i sat i i saw your site i probably didn't do anything more for like another three months and then i went back to it and then i listened to the podcast and then we've stood all this up within that short amount of time so that shows you what this guy is putting out there, and you know how much we've paid Pat for all this information and stuff that he's given us? We've paid him nothing. <laughs> he, has, he has literally put all this out on the internet for free. Okay, so... You guys I, are paying me back right now, though, with everything <laughs> you just said. Like, this is a form of payment, and I'm half joking here. I mean, really, when you provide value, just like you guys are doing right now to all the listeners out there, if they can use that information and it helps them, they're going to try and find ways to pay you back, too. I mean, it's just that's just the law of reciprocity. That is for real, and that's kind of how I've been able to build my businesses over time, just by giving away as much free information as I can, and it always comes back to me in one way, shape, or form, just like this. And we're, we're living, you know, and I think that you're thought patterns are now wearing you know they're coming into our stream and we're experiencing the exact same thing if there was like a theme for like 2014 and the start of 15 it is reciprocity that's the thing that we're learning more than anything else so that was a long intro i did not intend on that taking that long <laughs> okay i really didn't um but i had to say that because you have no idea what you have done for our 
podcasts, for our websites, for everything. It's just totally amazing. So with all that said, I'm going to fire away the first question. Boom. So, uh, Pat, you're becoming a household name. I really want you to tell our audience your story because they might not know it. Um, tell them your humble beginning of getting laid off as an architect and then uh, walking them through the general steps you took to do what you love, to stay true to who you are, and eventually crush it by pulling in 116 k in a single month back in 2013. Yeah, I mean, man... Uh- it all kind of started when I got pulled into my boss's office at an architecture firm I was working at. And I was just climbing the corporate ladder at that point. I was the youngest person just previously um, promoted to job captain and uh, was do- doing just everything I could to just improve and climb that ladder. I was doing a lot of things that weren't asked of me in my job description and everything was going great. I foresaw myself being in this industry for 40 years, having my own architecture firm down the road, being this world famous architect. And then all of a sudden, sudden my boss calls me in he sits me down he says pat you're one of the youngest brightest guys we know unfortunately we have to let you go and i was like what like how do the how does that what you just said connect with what you just said there and i was just floored like i i my like i don't know if you've ever gotten the wind knocked out of you but it was it's it was like that times a hundred um because i had just done everything right up to that point and it was just so frustrating and, and i couldn't even think at that point i had just proposed to my girlfriend and she said yes so i had that on in, in my in my head too and just i thought i failed i was like what did i do wrong i i must be a complete failure and obviously it wasn't me it was the economy back in 2008 and um, i just got kicked you know it was this, this toilet drain and I got, got pulled down under with it. And it, my initial reaction was, okay, I'm going to call every architecture firm that I know, every contractor that I've ever worked with and just beg and plead for a job because this is what I went to school for. This is what I've been doing for the last three years. I don't have anything else right now. And at the time it wasn't, uh, I didn't feel lucky, but now looking back, I'm like, luckily there was nothing open everybody else was firing everybody else or or letting people go. And, uh, after a couple months of a buffer period, I had a buffer period actually, because, because I was job captain, I was in charge of certain projects. They couldn't just let me go that day. I had, you know, two or three months to kind of work with those clients that I had and, and kind of, uh, have myself, you know, get away from those, uh, in a slower uh, period of time than just that day. So I had some time, but I had a termination date about three months later after that, that business meeting. And, um, every day I was taking the train because I moved back with my parents. My wife moved back with her parents too, because we were saving money for the wedding. And on that train ride, I, I switched from listening to music cause I just got bored of my playlist to this thing called podcasts. And I had never listened to podcasts before. And I discovered one called internet business mastery with these guys named Jason and Jeremy. And they were awesome. And on one of their shows, they featured a guy who was making six figures a year, helping people pass an exam which is called the project management exam or the PM exam. And that's when a light bulb went off for me because I had taken an exam as an architect that was really hard. There wasn't much information for it. And I had actually created a website to help myself pass that exam. Myself and a couple of my coworkers never ever intended it on being something that anyone else in the world can find. Um, I didn't know how Google worked or keywords and all that stuff. I didn't know how that worked. I just built that site for me and a couple of coworkers. And then after I passed that exam, I just let it sit there. There was no reason for me to go back until I heard this interview. And I went back to that site. I put an analytical tool on that site to keep track of traffic because I wanted to build this into a business just like that guy did. And the next day, once one full day of, of traffic registered on that site, I saw that there were five or 6,000 people already visiting my site every single day. Oh, my God. And I was 
floored. And I, I, I first I had those reactions like, oh my gosh, I got to take it down because, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't like, yes, business opportunity. It was more the the resistance and the fear that we always fear when, when we dive into something new, right? And it was like, oh, what if the information's wrong? What if I get in trouble for doing this? Like, I don't even know what's going on here. But then I started to get involved with internet business a little bit more. I reached out to those guys in Internet Business Mastery. I joined their program. I talked to a lot of people there and found out that I had a great opportunity on my hands and that I really had to begin to figure out how to potentially monetize this thing. And so to make a longer story short, I published a book, a study guide in October of 2008 that uh, took about two and a half months to launch. And it mostly took that long because I was just afraid. I was just scared of what people would think of it. But I eventually uh, launched it because I had nothing to lose, really. And in that first month, I made $7,908.55 selling a $19.99 ebook. And the really interesting thing about that month especially was I got a number of emails from people who had already passed the exam a long time ago who purchased my book anyway. And they said, Pat, finally you gave me a way to pay you back for all of that free information you gave me when you helped me pass a few months ago. And I was just like, wow. oh, wow. this is awesome. Because my whole perception of internet business before this was like scam, scam, red alert, red alert. You know, this whole, yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. This internet yep. scammers, like here I was in internet business and doing it in such a way that I was providing value. I was getting paid for it and getting these incredible notes of thank you. Uh, and that's, it kind of took off from there and the business kept growing. I started to add more products like an audio guide and practice exams and it just exploded. And I, I was able to make, um, within a year over $200,000 from that business. Now I tell that story and it sounds like it all happened overnight, but I just want to make sure everybody knows that that site was up for a year and a half. It had time for Google to find it. I had for a long time pumped content into it every single day. Again, like I said, for myself and for my audience or for, for my coworkers. So I just want to let everybody know that this, like any business takes a long time and you hear these stories about overnight successes and they're a rare case. They can happen. But um, what I teach on my site, smartpassiveincome.com, which I created because people were like, oh my gosh, how are you doing this? You need to share this, that it could actually be done in a legitimate way. Um, that's the kind of business I teach. The, the better you serve your audience, the, the more rewards you'll get back, just like I talked about. Um, and, and so on Smart Passive Income, now I, what I do is I, like I said, on the crash test dummy, I build new businesses and I just test out things and see what happens and whether it goes well, which sometimes it does and maybe sometimes it doesn't. Actually, most of the time it doesn't. It's always a lesson for everybody watching so they can learn from my mistakes, my wins and my failures and successes. And uh, that's kind of what has launched me into this sort of, leadership role in the area of, of online business and, and entrepreneurship, but also, and, and what I like better is, is the authenticity and the transparency behind it. And I see a lot of people sort of taking on that same strategy. Just, you know, don't try to put up a front, just be real. And we're in an age now where people want to do business with other people. And the more you can be a human being on the other end, on the other end of that website, the more chances you have to make a difference and to actually make a real connection, a human human to connection over two computer screens in that way by just sharing everything. And that's that's kind of the approach I take. Um, and so sorry that was a, such a long story. I just I get so pumped when I talk about this stuff because it's just it makes me relive this amazing journey I've had. And, and hopefully it inspires some of the listeners out there. You know, and before Stig jumps on his question, I just want to highlight I, I tell people this all the time. Some of my biggest setbacks, the things that like when you're in the moment and you're experiencing it, like you said, it was just like gut wrenching. You just didn't even you just like want to throw up. 
when you're going through that, you're like, why me? Why is this happening to me? This is just so horrible. Why should anybody else experience this? But what's amazing is when you fast forward in time and you're able to look back at that experience, I can honestly say every time I didn't get what I wanted and I had like that major setback, it has truly been the biggest blessing and the biggest gift um, in hindsight because it led Mm -hmm. me down and it led me in the direction that where I'm at right now. And I know you would feel the exact same way. I mean, you just described that, Pat. And and I see, Hari, you wanted to chime in. You you obviously had the exact same stuff happen to you as well. It's it's just, you know, it's when when you experience that and you have that horrible experience, you have to keep that in mind. Like, hey, this is happening for a reason. I'm experiencing mm-hmm. this setback because there is something really big that's about to come. And I just need to to keep a positive attitude and continue to work hard and stay passionate and stay real, like Pat said. I just wanted to add, Pat, that, you know, whenever I have uh, met any friend who I know well or um, who I wish well, I've always shared your website, even though if they're not in the online business or not interested in entrepreneurship, the reason is your inspiring story. What I have found is, uh, for me at least, personally, when I read about your story a long time back, as I said, um, one thing that helped me was that it took the fear away after listening to your story. And it made me better at my work because now I was not working with the fear in my mind, but I was giving it my full and I knew what, what could be the worst that can happen. You'll, be, you'll get fired. And thank you for that. And the second thing that I want to add is you call yourself crash test dummy. I wouldn't call you a dummy though. Um, <laughs> that's I mean, um, you, you're too modest uh, for what you have accomplished, but the vice chairman of uh, Berkshire Hathaway, Charlie Munger uh, famously has quoted uh, or said that the best way to learn is from others mistake. Yeah. And you are putting out yourself there day in and day out and making those mistakes for us. And thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. And even when I go back to that initial site that I created for those people passing this architecture exam, the exam is called the LEED exam, by the way, L-E-E-D. It's interesting because I, on that site, shared myself and the fact that I didn't get 100% on the exam, that I was teaching people how to pass. And a lot of people are like, oh, you shouldn't put you shouldn't put your score there because that's, you know, you're, you're showing that you don't know everything. Why are people going to buy stuff from you if you show that you make mistakes? But fast forward a little bit after that conversation, the United States Green Building Council, who administers that exam, they came out with their own study guide to compete with mine. And I think it was a direct result of seeing how successful mine was. And I thought I was done. I thought, oh, why would people buy from Pat, who got 183 out of 200? when you could buy a set of study guide things from the actual company that puts on this exam, who writes the questions, my sales went up a lot <laughs> when that happened. And it was because people connected with me and the fact that I was a real person on the other end with a face, with a name, somebody who's actually in the same seat as they are in now back in the day when I took the exam. And so, yeah, just being real. I mean, that's that's really what it's all about. Um, and, and I love what you were saying there, Preston, about the, the whole, you know, it's not, a it, things happen for a reason, right? And that's it's cliche to say, we hear that all the time, but it's true, but it's not just what happens to you. It's how you react to it. Yes. To what happens to you. Yes. Every time something happens to you, that's the universe or whoever you want to think of saying to yourself, okay, here's your test. How are you going to take this next opportunity? Um, I think it was a Greek Stoic philosopher Epictetus who said it's uh, uh, I, I pulled up the quote here because I knew I was going to butcher it. It's a, he said, it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it. 
that matters. Um, and it's, it's so true. And looking back at um, that layoff, maybe I didn't react to it in the best way right away, but I mean, that's, it's okay to feel terrible about situations when it, when those things happen, but then you, you eventually have to just wipe off that dust and, and move forward and you can either move forward or move backwards. And hopefully we'll all move forward when these uh, things happen in our lives. And I've always found that when, like you said, when I've talked to several other entrepreneurs, they have a similar story, something tragic happens or something where they had to make a huge decision and then they find that success. I mean, I hear that over and over and over and over again. Um, that's not to say if you have a job and you don't like it, you should just quit tomorrow and then something amazing will happen. Uh, but I mean, there's something to be said for that. I think I, because I got laid off and didn't have a plan B, I made decisions that I wouldn't have normally made if I still had my secure job. I took risks that I wasn't normally used to taking but again, I was just like, you know what? I have to take this risk because I would much rather live a life full of oh wells than a life full of what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. So Pat, you know, great points. Um, my question is that, you know, many there are many people out there that have ideas and would love to create their own assets. But I think that they're scared and perhaps they don't know how to start. Where do you think that people should start? Perhaps just uh, general advice. I mean, the first thing I would do is just take everything in your brain that you're thinking of about this particular idea and put it on paper, like start to take, you know, because our brains are a mess, right? We go from one thing to another. The moment you start to organize it and put it on paper, I would even put it on post-it notes. Just take this idea that you have, put it in the center of your table and then start to make post-it notes right around it. It's just a cloud. It doesn't have to be organized or anything. And what's really cool is no matter what that is, whether it's a book or product or business idea or a website, you're going to start to see patterns and groupings. And those become chapters. Those become categories on your website. Those become different products for that business. It's really cool when you start to mind map. That's that's a sort of a strategic um, term for what, what we're talking about here. There's even mind mapping software that will help you do this as well. One of my favorites is called... Uh, Mind Meister. That's m one of my favorites um, because you can actually share that and collaborate with other people on your team, which is pretty cool. Or there's another one called Free Mind, which is a free one that you can use um, to do that as well. But I just love using old school pen and paper and, and notepads and things like that. Another thing I would do when you have this idea is talk about it with people. Now, this might sound counterintuitive because you might think, oh, well, this is my idea. I don't want anybody to steal it. Right. And I get that. But nobody's going to be as driven as you about this idea. No, nobody's going to steal your idea. And if they do, you can do it better than them. You have to realize that whatever this idea might, might be. But the purpose of talking about it with other people is because you will begin to have a conversation about it. It flushes out these little hidden gaps in your idea. You might even find out through conversation that this is a terrible idea. And instead of working on it for two years, spending a lot of money and putting it out there and then having people tell you it's terrible, why don't you talk about it now so people could tell you it's terrible or they tell you it's awesome and that you have to do it, in which case you would be even more motivated to do it. And what's really cool is if you can begin to talk about this, not just with your friends and family, but with people who are in that target market as well, they will, as your potential customer, help shape what that thing is. Again, we're talking about something hypothetical, whether it's a physical product and uh, an informational product or a, a, a service, whatever. Um, but when you talk about it with your target customer, with their pains and their wants and their needs in mind, really, you need to build a solution to a person's pain. And, and that that's really what it comes down to. Um, when you could do it with them, I mean, you just are creating the product that they need. 
instead so you're not guessing anymore you're going basically off of what they say and that's how you could validate it as well you might also find that there are companies out there websites products similar to what you're thinking about should that stop you absolutely not that validates the fact that you are on the right track and you might think oh well you know i'm late to the game i'm at a disadvantage no you're actually at an advantage because you're coming in late in the game, meaning you can see it from a bird's eye perspective and see how that audience is being served and where they're not being served. And you can come in as the better solution. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. You don't have to create like a, uh, like try to reinvent walking like the Segway tried to do. And and what do Segways do now? They just roll down the boardwalk with their little tour guides, right? Like you don't, you don't have to, to reinvent something. You can just take something that's there, an idea and, and make it yours, put your own voice behind it and make it better and serve that audience better than they are being served right now. Um, so, so those are a few tips for you in terms of uh, validating your product. And then from there, it's uh, just a matter of finding the right platform or the right people to work with to help you put that together and uh, get, you know, at the same time, it's really important. And I didn't know if we were going to cover this later, but it's also really important to connect with other entrepreneurs as well. If this is a path you want to go down, whatever it is that you're interested in, you should always connect with other people who are interested in the same thing as well. It's human nature to be a part of a group. And I can't tell you how important being a part of other entrepreneur groups has been for the success that I've had because I've gotten so much great advice. I've been held accountable by those people. I am in three different, what they call mastermind groups. Napoleon Hill talks about it in his book, Think and Grow Rich. There's the power of being in a little group, maybe five to six people. Some are bigger, some are smaller, but you hold each other accountable. You talk about each other's goals. You share the same values and you work toward the same thing. You don't have to be in the same niche or market, but as long as you're all there and focused on helping each other, and it's the power of at one, you know, basically the, the way these meetings, these mastermind meetings work is one person is in the hot seat. That person shares something they need help with or a problem that they're having and everybody else collectively helps that person out and just has a discussion about it. Like this is such powerful stuff um, that has to be in there as well. And I, I would get involved with that sooner than later. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover leads by example with their dynamic design that rises to the occasion. It's got powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capabilities, coupled with signature Range Rover refinement. The third-generation Range Rover Sport is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet, redefining sporting luxury. It's got advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offering next-level comfort and refinement. The purposeful cockpit light driving position sets the tone for a focused interior that promotes exhilarating driver engagement. Award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. You can enjoy a dynamic drive in total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Have you ever wondered if there's an AI tool like ChatGBT specifically built for the stock market? A tool that not only aids you in your research and analysis process, but also allows for dynamic discussions? Today, I want to share such a tool with you called Meka. Meka is the AI-powered stock research assistant now enhanced with real-time stock data. Meka does a lot of the heavy lifting of sifting through financial statements and company data 
and delivers it to you nearly instantaneously and the best part is that it's 100% free. Try it out today and ask Make It questions like what is the financial health of Microsoft? How much cash does Copart hold on its balance sheet? What is the return on invested capital of Adobe or millions of other prompts? Check it out today for free at Meka.com. That's M-E-Y-K-A dot com. The Holy Grail of Investing, the new book by Tony Robbins and co-written by investing legend Christopher Zook, reveals the secrets of alternative investments like private equity, venture capital, energy, real estate, sports franchises, and more. It features exclusive insights from investing titans who collectively manage more than $500 billion, including Robert F. Smith, Vinod Kosla, Michael B. Kim, and many others. In the holy grail of investing, you'll discover how to take advantage of the trillions flowing into private equity by becoming an owner of firms that actually manage the assets and share in the revenue they generate, how to take advantage of the two to three times higher returns of private credit as an alternative or complement to bonds, how to invest in the energy evolution and ride the wave of trillions in global investments, how investments in private real estate can work as an inflationary hedge and source of tax-efficient income, and how many of the world's greatest investors thrive in both good times and bad. The Holy Grail of Investing by Tony Robbins is available now wherever books are sold. All right, back to the show. All right, you're up. Okay. A lot of things you just mentioned is on your website and as well as your book as well, uh, Let Go, which I thoroughly enjoyed reading. Thank you. However, my next question is about branding. Back in 2011, I listened to your talk to the Financial Bloggers Conference, I believe. I might have the name wrong, but I loved the talk. Uh, one of the things that caught my attention was the concept of branding. At the time, uh, I was working at LinkedIn, which is all about building brands or all about helping professionals build their own brands. And when I listened to your talk at that time, I was, I was happily employed at LinkedIn. I had no issues. Uh, my job was safe. So I had no intentions of starting something on over. I wanted to know how can I use this platform that you talk about, the websites, the podcast to build my brand as a professional or as a business owner to help me in getting better job opportunities or better consulting positions, for example. Right. Well, I mean, the platform itself, the blog or the podcast or the video channel or whatever it might be, that becomes your platform. Essentially, that becomes your area where you can share messages and, and, and help other people who discover it um, t- tell what you're all about and what you have to offer them and how, how you can help them. Um, what, what's really cool about the branding thing is a lot of people think about branding and they're like, oh, OK, what's the colors? What's the logo? You know, what's it going to look like? But I really want you to think even beyond that or actually even before that. What makes you unique, your company or you, if you're branding yourself as a personal brand um, or your company or your product, like you have to understand what they call, what is your unfair advantage? That thing that you can bring that nobody else can bring. And once you discover what that is, and you might not know what it is at first, maybe it's going to take some time to find out what it is or some conversation between you and your target customer or your target market. Um, But once you find out what that is, you got to milk it because that's what's going to help you stand out. And that's truly the the big lesson there. Um, that's something I picked up because I remember in 2010 with Smart Passive Income, my website was doing okay. I just started my YouTube channel, and uh, my it, you know I didn't have nearly as many people visiting the site. I only had hundreds a day. Now I have you know 20, 40 
60,000 people coming to the site a day. Uh, so I was in the very early days and I remember going to one of my mentors and I told him, uh, dude, like I have all these businesses idea, uh, business ideas I want to do now. Can I pitch them to you and, and just show you what I'm thinking of? And I showed him these five different business ideas, again, completely brand new. And he's like, these are great, but they don't have any of you in it. And I'm like, what do you mean there's no me in it? He's like, there's no Pat Flynn. People connect with you. That's what makes you special. You just have this unique ability to make real connections with people in this digital world. Somehow you're able to do that. And I, I, I never heard anyone tell me that before. But when he said that, that's when Smart Passive Income became Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. And that's when Pat Flynn's personality started to get injected into everything because that's what made me unique. And, and I knew I had the unique advantage of being able to, to really make a true connection with people. Although we all have that advantage as well because nobody is like any of us. And it's, 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 Oh, it's so funny because I think about back in uh back in high school, my friends and I, we like made business cards. Like we didn't even have businesses, but I don't know if you guys did this too, but we just thought it'd be cool to have business cards and put our name and our phone number and our email on there, right? Got your suit then, on. <laughs> yeah, but we try to make those business cards look so professional, right? With like three squares and a little swoosh coming across like, like a corporation, right? But we're going away from that time now where people want to know who that person is and not just like what their icon looks like, but what does that person look like? And that's what makes those real connections. And that's what's going to help you stand out is you. So what's unique about you? And people might be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not unique or anything, but yes, you are. You just have to figure out sort of what it is that you do. And even if, if you do something that somebody else may do already, or I, people are going to connect with you just because people are going to connect with you. I mean, that's just the way it is. I remember for those of you who have listened to my podcast, um, at the beginning of every episode, I put a fun little fact about me, which my voiceover guy reads. And I remember pitching that idea to some podcasting experts and they were like, Pat, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Why would you waste your time and money having another guy talk about you and these random fun facts? Nobody cares about your facts. They just want to get into the business stuff. Well, I did it anyway. And you know, my podcast is now 13 million plus downloads. And when I go to conferences, people always start with something that they connect with based off of those little fun facts. Like yeah. people come up to me and they're like, dude, how's your fantasy football team doing? <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to talk about it this year. It's terrible. Um, they're like, dude, I, I played the trumpet too, or Pat, I'm half Filipino also, or I was in the marching band too. Like that's what they say. And that's how and why they always end up saying the same thing when I meet them, they always say, Pat, I feel like I know you. Yeah. Which is such a cool thing. Yeah. Um, and, and then all the business and the money and the income. I mean, that's just a byproduct of building real relationships, I feel. Well, and it's so true because, so, I mean, I've been listening to your <laughs> podcast for the last six or seven months and it feels like we have had these conversations for a while. Like, and, and this is the first time I've ever talked to you in my entire life. So what he's saying is 100% true because it's just so natural to talk to you because we've been listening to all those different things. And you, you do know those little nitinoid things that you're talking about that are just like no one else would ever know. <laughs> do you know any, do you remember any weird well, facts about me? Well, of course I played the trumpet in high school and you played the trumpet in high school. So it was me? like, whenever I heard that, I was just kind of like laughing. It was just like, you know, it's just like little things like that. You do relate to the other person because of things like that. Yeah. That's, that's what they call, or I'm calling uh, the moment of activation. That's the, yes. And that's how you're going to remember that person. And then yeah. you always come back to them. The thing I want to say about brand uh, that a lot of people don't get is it's all about trust. 
whenever you're building this trust, like brand, uh, you can hear how we're saying all this stuff to Pat because we've been listening to his podcast. He has built an enormous amount of trust, not just between the three of us, but all these other people that are in his audience. And that's a brand. And let me tell you, there's extreme value in that, the trust. And that's the thing that you need to focus about. And that's the thing that you need to really think about whenever you're trying to build a brand is how can I build trust with the people and my, you know, my customers or my audience or whatever it is for your product that you're trying to create. So let's go to the next question. Unless Pat, did you have any follow up that you wanted to say on? No, I just uh, wanted to tag on the end of what you just said there. I mean, that's where really building these assets are coming from is, is first with building trust with people. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so uh, one of the things that I try to tell people is the rewards to creating an asset versus buying an asset are like being in two different universes. Um, people often invest in the stock market thinking that they'll become a millionaire in a few years and if they only have a few good picks. And it just doesn't work like that. Um, if you're doing 10% returns uh, in the stock market, you're doing a great job. But if you create an asset, you could literally have a 1,000% return if you create value for your customer. Could you tell our audience how you've created a couple different assets with little or no startup capital and the income that those assets have produced for you? Uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, one of them was a case study that I actually shared um, live on Smart Passive Income. I sort of built this site over time. And I wanted to just show people you can build a website and here's how you do it. And it could even be in a niche where you don't really know much about. You just want to be there to serve that particular audience if nobody else is already doing that. So using this keyword research tool that uh, Sig was talking about, Market Samurai, I discovered that there was a term out there, uh, security guard training was, is a term, that was searched for quite heavily in Google, but very underserved in terms of what people find when they search that term. And there's a lot of sort of uh, numbers and things that go along with that, but I won't get into that here. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to build a site that's going to help people looking to figure out how to become a security guard. I'm not a security guard, um, funnily enough. Funnily enough, my mom actually is, but that didn't really have anything to do with this. Uh, and I just started to do the research, and I and and that's how it went down. I actually called using the phone. You remember what that is? Uh, we I called actual security guard companies in different states because every state in the U.S. I found through my research had a different requirement, and uh, I just called and said, "Hey, I would love to know how to become a security guard in the state of blank," and then I just created the best website out there that shared that information. And that site, since I created it in September of 2010, has been at the top of Google because it just provides that valuable information that people are looking for really easily. And it's been there for over four years. And every month it's generating between $2,000 and $3,500 for about 30 minutes of work per month in terms of just making sure it's still running and still just checking stats and optimizing it. I mean, that's a pretty darn good investment if, uh, if you think about it. And in terms of what it costs to build that investment uh, or asset, it probably cost, let's see, the domain itself, maybe $6.95 per month. And uh, an email list service provider, you know, maybe another 20 bucks per year on top of that. Um, and, and time. That's essentially it. <laughs> Um, so that might sound crazy because that's not even that much money. It's just mostly time. So that was together. like a million percent return, a million percent return. <laughs> and it's still going. I mean, that's, that's, that's this 
that's my definition of passive income that used to be able to create these businesses that serve people and it can be done in an automa- automated or semi-automated way. And then they can pay you back and return longer over time if you put in the work up front to do it. Um, another one that I've gotten into recently is uh, in this, in, in around the software realm. Um, I had uh, my team build a custom uh uh, WordPress plugin, which was a podcast player for my website for my new podcast when it came out last year called Ask Pat, which is a five day week podcast. And I thought it'd be crazy if for those of you who don't know how podcasting works, essentially, usually what you do is every time you come out with a new blog post, there is an embedded audio file in there and then the iTunes directories or whatever reads that there's a new audio file in there. And so essentially you'd have to create a new blog post every time you want a new audio file to go in there. Well, Ask Pat was coming out five days a week and I didn't want to just just overflow my audience or overwhelm them with blog post after blog post after blog post. So I decided to just post those audio files onto another server and just have one player on one page be able to continuously update what those episodes were. And so I created this podcast player and at first it was called the Ask Pat player because that's all it was used for. And then people started asking me, where did you get that player and then I thought I was cool because initially my answer was, oh, it's mine. Nobody can have it. It's mine. <laughs> like I custom built it. Uh, and, and I don't even know how to code myself. I, I hired somebody obviously to do this for me. And then obviously after maybe the fifth or sixth email, I was like, ding, business idea. And so my team and I got together to figure out, okay, how can we turn this into something that's really easy for people to use? It's already there. We just need to figure out, okay, how can we make it easy for people to use and put in their feeds and put in their show titles and things like that. And then that was launched uh, mid last year in beta, meaning we only sold it to a limited amount of people in a closed group with not all the bells and whistles in there. There's a really cool book called The Lean Startup, which talks about this whole thing of a minimum viable product when you sell it, meaning you just want to build the solution. You don't need to put all the bells and whistles in there. And if you do it in a closed beta group, you can work with those first initial customers and have them tell you what else you can do beyond that, that they actually need instead of what you think they need. And so I've been working with those beta customers. There was about 400 or 500 of them actually. So initially already, you know, I was making money um, you know, between 50 and $80 per license that we were selling over 400 customers now. And then it was closed because we were working closely with them. We added new features. We tested software is a whole different beast. This is sort of my first foray into it. There's a lot of things that can break, especially because there's a lot of versions of WordPress and there's a lot of themes and a lot of themes on different versions. I mean, it's just crazy. So um, it's not as easy as, 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 uh, as I thought it was. But we still put in the time and effort and we just launched last week version 1.0, which means it's open for good. And we've been making sales every single day, $97 for an annual license. And every customer, they're paying $97 a year. And we already have, you know, a couple hundred customers at this point, And that's recurring income. And now all I have to do, because that system is set up, the purchasing process and the delivery of that code is set up. I just have to focus on marketing and making it better. And it's going to, it's going to, that itself is a business, um, out of the very, you know, the, the whole slate that I have. So th- those are a couple examples for you. That was, that's phenomenal. That's so that just shows you guys there's, there's enormous opportunity reward, uh, when you create your own asset versus buying somebody else's asset that they created. And the, the big myth here is it doesn't take a lot of capital to start it up. Everyone thinks that they have to have $100,000 to create an asset that's bringing in $3,000 a month. He did it with, you know, like under $50. 
you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the software did obviously cost a little bit more because I had, had a developer team and stuff. But I mean, really, I mean, in that case, maybe I invest, I invested 15 K to, to, to get all that set up. Um, yeah. and, and, and then, you know, we, we were in, uh, you know, positive numbers halfway through the beta period. And now everybody who comes on and signs on is a, is pure profit. Yeah. Minus like the, the recurring sort of $6 for the domain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Hey, Stig, go ahead. So Pat, I think that everybody who has been following know that you have a lot of different projects going on. Um, and I'm just thinking, where do you get the inspiration for which assets you create? I mean, a lot of the inspiration comes from my audience and what they need, just like that, that player that I was talking about. I mean, that was a direct result of people asking, hey, I need something like that. And when you build an audience, even if you don't have a product yet, you maybe have a message or something that you're, you're good at that you just are showing people how to do. If you just listen carefully, you're going to hear your audience tell you what they need. And that's where a lot of the inspiration should come from, your target audience. Now, it obviously comes from a lot of other places, too. I mean, for the day in and day out, my number one inspiration is, is my two kids. You know, I, have a, I have a daughter who's two years old. My son is five. And they, you know, especially my son, I mean, he knows what I do now. And he watches me on the computer. Sometimes he listens to me in the, on the office when I'm podcasting every once in a while. And he asks all these questions. And I want to be there as an example for him to show him that you could create whatever you want. You could do whatever you want. Um, and I know, again, that's one of those cliche things. But I just want I want him to know that, that, that you know, cool things happen when you put in the work. You know, and, and you serve people. Um, uh, this year, earlier this year, we did a campaign on SPI, my blog, to build a couple schools in Ghana, which was really cool. And I told everybody, hey, if we can raise $25,000, I will match 100% of that $25,000 and we'll build two schools because it costs $25,000 per school through this program called Pencils of Promise at PencilsofPromise.org. I interviewed the uh, founder of that company and that is what inspired me last year to go and see what else I could do beyond myself, my family, my community. I wanted to do something worldly here. And uh, we were able to raise together um, over $54,000 and I'm actually headed to Ghana June in June to visit the schools that are being built and and meet the children there. I mean, it's so cool. My son unfortunately won't be able to go, but he's going to see the pictures. And he he even knew what was happening. He knew what was happening. Like every day during that campaign, he would be like, "How much are we making today for for the kids? How much are we making today for the kids?" And I'd show him like, "Look at Becky donated a hundred dollars." And then he'd ask questions like, "Why are they donating money? Like why? Like <laughs> I, I I pick up the poop in the backyard for a dollar. Like this is a lot of." picking up um and i'm like you know what people are willing to 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 pay it forward when they see that other people are in are in need and they know it's going to come back to them in one way shape or form down the road i'm trying to teach that as much as i can to my kids and that's where i get most of my inspiration from is 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 actually thinking about them when they're 40 years old having a conversation at a cafe you know they're married and they have kids too and just getting together one thanksgiving be like you know talking about mom and dad you know, like, what's that conversation going to be like? I want it to be positive, <laughs> you know, I don't want it to be like, oh man, they were so mean or they never amounted to anything. I wanted to be, we were lucky kids. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com WSB. 
That's fundrise.com slash WSB. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Today's show is sponsored by public.com. That's where you can earn 5.1% APY with a high yield cash account. While we can't say for certain it's the highest interest rate there is, we can say this. It's a higher rate than Robinhood, a higher rate than SoFi, a higher rate than Ally, a way higher rate than Bank of America and Chase, a higher rate than Citi, Wells Fargo, Discover, and it's a higher rate than American Express too. So if you want to start earning 5.1% APY on your cash, check out public.com. We can't say it's the highest interest rate, but it's pretty damn up there. This is a paid endorsement for public investing. 5.1% APY as of March 26, 2024 and is subject to change. A high yield cash account is a secondary brokerage account with public investing, member FINRA slash SIPC. Funds from this account are automatically deposited into partner banks where they earn a variable interest and are eligible for FDIC insurance. Neither public investing nor any of its affiliates is a bank. U.S. only. Learn more at public.com slash disclosures slash high dash yield dash account. As many of you know, I love studying businesses and networking with business owners. The more I've studied businesses, the more I've realized that starting and scaling your business is easier than ever because of companies like Shopify. Did you know that Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S.? Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify even helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. What I personally love about Shopify is that it's the turnkey solution to kickstart and grow your business, and they are totally committed to giving you the necessary tools to succeed as a business owner. Plus, they have an award-winning customer support team there to help you every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify dot com slash WSB. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash WSB now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash WSB. All right, back to the show. Yeah. That's and, awesome. And Pat, I think the thing that a lot of people don't think about as well is you're talking about the how it, it, it'll come back to you. But the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is the compounding impact that happens whenever your son interacts with another person and he has a positive impact on them. And then mm-hmm. that person then goes on and has the and, and it's it spreads and it spreads like wildfire and it's compounding and it's exponential. And that's the thing that I just that's where that's I lose. So- that's where I get in my thoughts is it's not like it's just coming back to me. It is going to another person, another person. And then it's just spreading and it makes you just realize I'm I'm truly just creating this world around me all the time. And, and I'm thinking if I keep doing that and I keep acting in that manner for another 20 or 30 years, what's the world going to look like? You know, it, it, 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, it just blows my mind. It, right? does, it just blows it your mind when you think about it. And 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 I'm not like the star of this. I mean, yeah. I am for people who I'm connecting with, but I'm doing it as a result of Jason and Jeremy, who did it as a result of somebody else who did it. You know, it's just like the way the world works. I mean, I just love all that positive energy. Um, that, that that's why I always do every day. I try to do one. Um, uh, just random act of kindness. I, this is something I try to teach my audience to do every once in a while. Just just, just be randomly kind to someone today. Like just the effects that that could have on a person's life, which could have another effect on somebody else's life. Like one day I went into Starbucks and I just do this every once in a while. Um, I bought the, the person behind me a coffee and he happened to be there with his son. They were having a terrible day. I found out because after I bought them that coffee, they wanted to just sit down and chat and ask like, why do you, why did you do this? And I think he knew that this was awesome and wanted to be an example for his son. But I found out that the son had accidentally broken his mom's iPad and the mom yelled at him and they were just having a terrible day. And he felt, he felt terrible and just felt the whole world was crushing on him. You know, he's only like eight years old. Um, and then when he was, he, he was just, he was just so t- taken aback of just, strangers kindness yeah. um and and i know that this is something that this kid like years down the road i mean he's obviously not gonna think about it every day but maybe one day he'll think about it and do something for somebody else yep yep definitely um so but one of the quotes in your book let go i really liked and try to kind of you know still make sense of it is by tony robbins you say the path to success is to take massive determined action and I know you exemplify that and you have been doing it for years. However, when I started building my blocks, I have failed at many of them so far. And a lot of reasons is what you have already pointed out. Some of them was lack of interest. Uh, some of them I just uh, did it for kind of, you know, trying to figure out or looking cool. In the end, as you say, that your success is byproduct of how you are serving others or how you are helping others. However, my question is, how do you go about or how do you advise for somebody who is starting to build his own blog or website? I have seen a post where you have chronicled the evolution of your blog or smart passive income, the user interface. And I can see that it was pretty basic in 2008, but by 2009, it kind of got evolved uh, quite a bit. Uh, so what is your advice? Like, you know, should somebody focus on the look and feel of the UI right from the get-go or wait till um, the, he collects some good audience? And do you have any recommendation for um, any web designers or so uh, who, who are good at helping out beginners? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things there. You were talking about massive action, and that's important. You always want to take bold actions when, with what you're doing, or else, you know, little actions, little results, big actions, big results. Um, but with that being said, I mean, notice it's massive. Take massive action. It's not take massive, perfect action. And the, the whole idea behind that is you don't have to be perfect. You just have to go, and you're going to make mistakes. You are going to fail We realize that that's going to happen, but use those things as learning experiences so you can keep moving forward. You can read all the books you want. You can listen to all the podcasts in the world and have all that information. But it, 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 it you, you might as well not have ears or or know how to read if you don't put those things into action, right? You're just as good as somebody who doesn't know how to read if you don't put those things into action. I think it was Mark Twain or somebody who said something similar. I, uh, Einstein had a real uh, similar quote to that. As oh, did he? Too, as far as just saying- It could have been Einstein, yeah. You, you can't just read all day long. You have to go out and you actually have to create and you have to apply what you're learning and, and be creative, so. Right, and, and and the thing about that, and the reason I bring this up first is, is, is it doesn't have to be perfect. It's just, you just gotta go. And as we all know, we learn by doing mostly. You just got to, and, and, and when we're babies, right? When we learn how to walk, we get up, we stumble, 
we get up again, we keep trying, do something different, so on and so forth. I mean, we lose a lot of our childhood tendencies in that way and discovery and curiosity and learning when we're older, just because we don't want to fail. We don't want to look bad and, and, and it, it feels bad to fail. But no, failing is good as long as you use those things as learning experiences. And to your other question um, or to your to your question about the user interface or the, what the website looks like, um, it's hard for me to look at those the 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 archive of what my site used to look like because those were <laughs> terrible but i hope that shows you I, I took action and it wasn't beautiful action but i just had something up where i can begin serving my audience i, I put myself in a position where i could finally start writing content and 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 even when i started the podcast i remember i recorded episode number one which came out in july in may and i recorded that three different times because the first time wasn't good enough. The second time I actually had scripted the whole thing. So it was like 20 pages of what I was going to say and it sounded too robotic. And the third time I was trying to do some blend between the two and it just didn't sound right. And the fourth time I recorded it, finally, I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go. I'm not even going to edit this and let's just see what happens. And then over time, you'll notice if you've been a longtime listener, it improves over time because I'm just doing it. And the same thing goes with your user interface and your website. Put yourself out there, just get something that works and focus on what's actually going to help people. And then over time, you can make it perfect. You can change things, tweak things, and you're going to discover that uh, some things that you may have thought that you would have wanted when you first started maybe doesn't even need to be there. Um, so, you know, do yourself a favor and, and don't worry about it. I think a lot of people use design specifically and the way things look as an excuse to moving forward and doing those things that are actually scary. You know, like blog design, yes, there might be a theme out there that's perfect. There might be a way to just tweak a little bit of code so it looks better. But that, that I mean, that's a that's just a hidden form of procrastination, I feel. You've got to just take action and, and actually get something out there that can actually help people. Perfect. All right, Pat, we're, we're getting close and I don't want to go over the hour because I know. Yeah, no, you, I talk a lot. I'm sorry. No, I don't want to go over because I, th- <laughs> I think you're probably going to go to the beach after we're done here. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Pat, uh, can you describe the importance of persistence and of being passionate about what you do? Um, I have no doubt that those two factors had led to your enormous success. Uh, but for a lot of people that are interested in creating their first asset, starting out with that foundational level, I think that those two things are extremely important. So I just was wondering if you felt that way and if you do just kind of describe the importance. Yeah, I mean, persistence for obvious reasons, like we've just covered. I mean, you got to keep going. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You got to keep going. And I think what's really important about that is is understand why. Why, why should you keep going? And it's really hard to forget why sometimes. And for me, I'm very lucky because my why runs around all day, sometimes naked and, or in their underwear. <laughs> uh, but I'm talking about my kids, by the way. I'm not. Like, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> and, but, you, you know, it's like I, I see them every day and I'm like, OK, I got to get when I go into my office later today or tonight or whatever, I'm going to be in work mode because I want to be able to be able to play with them tomorrow you know that sort of thing so i see my why every day and that's why i am persistent because i want to be there like i said before also as an example for them when they're when they're older as well um and 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 you know in terms of passion yeah i mean that's obviously there i enjoy what i do um you might be thinking oh do you are you passionate about security guard training no i'm not passionate about security guard training but i am passionate about helping the people who are looking to become security guard my why is i just want to help people and i know that's very general but then you got to narrow it down. Okay, how are you going to help people? And in that case, it just so happens to be I'm helping a certain set of people, people looking to start a security guard career and connect them to the information that they need to become a security guard. 
and to fulfill that role as, as the person providing that solution. <clears throat> Sorry. So absolutely have a passion for serving more than anything and have fun with the process too. I mean, just a passion for, I have a passion for figuring things out and just experimentation. That's what I have fun with too. And you have to know what drives you and use that to your advantage as well. Um, so, so yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Okay, Pat, uh, your time is extremely valuable. We know that. And we can probably not extract everything that you know in a single interview. But if you had to pick the top three books, just three books you would like to recommend to our audience for creating the very first assets, what should they be? I mean, there's a billion books that are great out there, obviously. Um, but but I'll just name a few. And I also have a book book club on patflynn.com where I recommend a, a, a cool book, sometimes uh, nonfiction or sometimes fiction, but mostly nonfiction, mostly business related, but not always. Um, but, but three books I would recommend. The first one is one that was, uh, I first picked up that was really inspirational that showed me sort of the idea of creating this asset that could potentially be, uh, walked away from for a little bit. I mean, with anything I'm talking about, these websites and stuff, it's not a set it and forget it type of thing. I mean, it's a set it and forget it for a little while, potentially. And take breaks from it every once in a while. And that's the cool thing. Like your website's up 24 7, 365. You can take breaks from it every once in a while. It's flexible. That's the cool part about it. But it's not a once it's once you have it up there, it's that way forever. Um, I mean, just like with, you know, your portfolio, you, you got to check and make sure it's it's up to date. And, uh, it, you know, it has um, the uh, shares of that it needs to have at that moment in time. So, it, you know, it does require upkeep. Um, but uh, so, so the first one is the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss that definitely super inspirational and tells you also a lot about automating and, and just mostly the sort of the idea of that whole 80, 20 effect, you know, what 20% can you do to get 80% of the results? Um, and, and doing that in many different areas of your life too. So that's the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Um, there's also one that I would recommend called the one thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And that's really important because anybody who's looking to start something new is likely wanting to start a hundred new things at the same time. And when you work on a hundred things at the same time, nothing gets done. And, and, and even within a particular project, maybe you pick one thing you want to do. Well, within that one thing, there might be a hundred things to do. And then you kind of just jump all over the place and you, you get nothing done. So this book really lays it on the line as far as what, I mean, essentially the consequences of, of, of losing your focus on that one thing. Um, and so I have that book very close to me at my desk here because often I will get distracted by bright, shiny objects as we all do. And, uh, it brings me back to reality on what I need to do, um, and what I need to focus on at, at this current moment in time. And then I would also recommend, I don't, I don't want to feel like, um, this is a plug or anything. Uh, and, and if, uh, you know, seriously, if anybody out there listening wants to get this book for free from me, just let me know. It's my book, let go, which, uh, Harry mentioned already. It just talks about a lot of the, 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 the psychological stuff that happens when you're transitioning. And a lot of the, um, you know, I talk, I get very personal with that book in terms of all the things I went through and the other people that were involved as well, because this isn't just you who's going to go through this journey. It's the people around you who are watching you go through this journey as well. And I talk a little bit about that in the book too. And hopefully it just gives you a dose of inspiration before you sort of take that massive action. It's a super short read. Um, and, and so if you want that book for free, if you're listening to this, just go to, um, just email me or, or send me a note on Twitter. How about that? Ooh. At Pat Flynn, or we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. Cool. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you. That makes it easy for me. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'd love to give that to, to your audience. Ahead, One Hart. thing that I would like to add about Pat Flynn's uh, let go is uh, 
the coolest thing about that book is it's not just like any other book it's it has multimedia along with it it's kind of a new new type of book maybe pat will be able to explain it better i bought it on kindle unfortunately and then i had to go to his website to get all the videos and stuff but pat you have a different format of the book as well right For- yeah it's 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 really cool because i mean i launched it on a platform called snippet app which if you have an ios device like an ipad or an iphone you can you can download it the book off of the snippet app which is a really cool multimedia experience reading platform where you're not just reading the text but there's very, very high quality images. There's also video. And then in the snippet app itself, it actually incorporates social media too. So you can see people having conversations about certain parts of the book as well using hashtags, which is pretty cool. And uh, you, you could just pick it up on Amazon though, or go to the show notes um, on on the site. And uh, you know, if you wanted to leave a review afterwards, that's cool. You don't need to buy it on Amazon to leave a review, but that is always helpful. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, it comes with a lot of cool videos, including... Um, interviews with with me in specific locations like I went and took my videographer with me at specific locations where certain decisions had to happen or things were made and um, also an interview with my wife in there and also one with my dad who initially when I got laid off was like you got to go back to school and get your master's degree (laughs) which he's always right too and he was right I could have done that and I could have gone out of that with more knowledge and maybe a better uh, job after the job market came back but I knew that because of the path I had taken, I had already done everything right up to that point and getting kicked out just was such a big blow to me. You know, I needed to, to take control for myself. And so you'll hear in that interview with my dad, a little bit of interesting back and forth uh, about that. And especially your interview with your wife got me in trouble because I showed it to my wife and there you're appreciating your wife's work, like, you know, with your kids, how, how much effort she puts in. And my wife was like, you never say this to me. Oh, yeah. uh, See that, Pat, you're getting us all in trouble, man. Yeah, I, I, that's not what I mean to do. But if you want to make your wife uh, really happy, really quickly, just say, you know, I appreciate you um, out of nowhere. Um, but I mean, she has the hardest job in the world. She takes care of the kids. Oh, that's and, true. At home mom and she does that so I can do these things and I love her for that. And and so anyway, yeah, you'll see, you'll see all that in, in the book um, and, and why it's called let go. It's not just because it's, I got let go from my job, but there's a lot of other things in there too. You know, if, if that doesn't tell the audience what kind of person we're dealing with here, I, I don't know what else will, because I totally agree with you, uh, Pat. I look at what my wife does. We've got four kids and it's, it's truly amazing. And in order for me to be down here recording, you know, my son was trying to just beat down the door and come in and it's like, (laughs) he wants to see dad. And you know, it's, it's so true. She's the one that's there sacrificing her time and working so hard and, and fantastic point. It just shows you the, the class act that we're dealing with. So, uh, Pat, that wraps it up. Um, we cannot thank you enough to come on our show. Uh, you have no idea. I mean, you can name any Hollywood celebrity and I am much more starstruck by having Pat Flynn on my show than any one of those people. So oh, thanks, um, man. That really, really appreciate it. The, the podcast, everything, it's all because of, of your site and, you know, standing it up. So our audience can, can thank you if they're enjoying our podcast as well. So thank you for taking time out of your day to come on our show. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks to all the listeners out there for uh, hearing me out. And I hope I've uh, been able to help in some way, shape or form. And also, if you want to just let me know that you like this or maybe you didn't like it, maybe you think thought it was terrible. Um, just just let me know on Twitter at Pat Flynn. I'd love to hear from you. I'm very responsive on there. All right, Pat. So if you guys want to find more of Pat Flynn, you go to smartpassiveincome.com. It has the links to everything else, uh, you know, his podcast. Uh, the, the blog is endless with information, just 
tons of information to help you start to create an asset and start to have these gargantuan returns with a small amount of capital. So, Pat, fantastic. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. All right. So it's that time in the show where we play uh, one of our questions from our audience. And this question comes from Aaron. Hi, Preston and Stig. This is Aaron Squizzato from Melbourne, Australia. First off, can I just add that I'm a firm believer in the saying, content is king. The information you guys deliver is second to none, and I've learned so much from Buffett Books as well as listening to your podcast. So a big thank you from all of us here in Australia. My question is, what are your thoughts on investing in international markets versus local stocks? The reason I ask this is, I'm very interested in US companies and the indexes, however, I do have to factor in the exchange rate when valuing US stocks. Are you able to shed some light on this topic? Thanks very much, guys. Hope to hear from you. All right, Aaron, a fantastic question. And this is a question that we also get asked a lot because a lot of our audience is international. So, uh, Stig, being in Denmark, I'm sure you have a good response for this one. Thanks, Preston. And uh, and yes, I deal with this. And yes, I struggle with this. <laughs> Quite a, a big deal, actually. Because, uh, you know, Aaron, like you, I would like to invest in America. And, you know, just like you, I guess, that's because there are so many great businesses over there. Now, the, the covenant to that clearly is that we also have the problem with exchange rates because we're not just buying great businesses. We're also buying it in dollars. And if American dollars is not our own currency, and uh, then that will alter the price. Now, what I do is I, you know, there are a ton of different stats you can look at, but I have like one key stat that I look at, and that is the OECD's price level statistics. And what that is doing is, this is all due to to a thing we call the law of one price. And and what that, that is doing is, you know, saying if the price level is too high in a country, it might be because the exchange rate is overvalued. And the the uh, the other way around, of course, simply because you should think as exchange rates as the price of another currency. So just like you can have a good that is overvalued or uh, undervalued, I mean, or in other words, expensive or cheap good, you can also have you know, an overvalued currency, which means it, an expensive currency, or undervalued currency, which means it's cheap currency. So it's actually just the same thing. So just to uh, just actually to sum this up, uh, I mean, we know that in the long run, the price level and the exchange rates, because they're missing the same thing, um, they're going hand in hand. So by looking at this, you know, very neat stat, you have a, a good indication of whether or not the, the currency is undervalued or overvalued. So Stig, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't really deal with this problem a lot. So really, the first step would be, let's look at the valuation of the currency and see if we can get past that gate, like almost treat it as like the first check that you've got to get past. So if your currency is undervalued, um, that's a, that's a good move for you to be able to step into a foreign market and then buy stock. If it's overvalued, well, then you might kind of get double hit as you go to the next step. Then as you go to the next step, then you got to do the valuation on the index or the the market or the stock that you're getting ready to, to enter into that foreign country, probably the United States. Um, so that's kind of like your two step process as you're going through this. So if you do, if you can't get past that first gate, well, then that's where you need to look domestically at stocks internally um, and make that decision on, on what you can buy in your domestic country um, because of the, the circumstances of maybe where the currency is at. So you don't take on that risk of getting double hit. 
Um, hey, everyone, we're so excited to have you with our podcast. Please share it with your friends. Uh, the more people, the the better. Uh, we're really trying to build a community here. And I don't know if anyone's ever checked out our forum. I don't think we've ever talked about our forum. But if you go to warrenbuffettforum.com, uh, that's where Stig and I hang out. Um, and that's where we field a lot of questions. Whenever people send us questions, we often refer them to different posts that we had in there that where we've already answered the question potentially. And there are some really smart people hanging out in our forum. So definitely check that out if you got some questions. And if you want to send us a question and potentially have it played on the air, go to asktheinvestors.com and you can record it there and we'll play it live. And if we play it live like we did for Aaron, we'll send you a free signed copy of our book, The Warren Buffett Accounting Book. So that's all we got for today. I hope you guys enjoyed Pat Flynn. Uh, we were pretty excited. I don't know if anyone noticed, <laughs> but uh, it was a, it was a great episode. Hari, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you guys can check out Hari's blog at bitsbusiness.com and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to The Investor's Podcast. To listen to more shows or access to the tools discussed on the show, be sure to visit www.theinvestorspodcast.com. Submit your questions or request a guest appearance to The Investor's Podcast by going to www.asktheinvestors.com. If your question is answered during the show, you will receive a free autographed copy of the Warren Buffett Accounting Book. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This material is copyrighted by the TIP Network and must have written approval before commercial application.